Hi guys. So we are going to be talking about the post that I put up yesterday, which was on Valentine's Day and it was about love. Um, and <laughs> there were a lot of reactions that I got. Um, a lot of people that were like, you know, not very happy about what I wrote because, you know, it sort of contradicted their idea of what love is and what it should be. And, um, and I am not here to tell anyone that I have figured out what, um, you know, people from the beginning of time have been trying to define, uh, which is um, what is love right? I'm not here to tell you. I have figured it out. <laughs> I'm only going to tell you uh, what my experience has been. Um, and then my experience, I feel like it was uh, validated by some of the things that I have read um, from certain teachings. And so I feel like I'm kind of in the ballpark. Um, and so we will talk about what is love. And what we think love is and what it sort of gets in the way of us loving other people and us receiving love and part of that love there is no love without self-love so it's just about love we're talking about love today maybe i will um anyways you guys can answer on on here if if someone asks what's the topic we're talking about love today um so it might not um it might not take the full hour but let's see okay and I'm having some technical difficulties with my brain today <laughs> so we're just gonna do the best we can um, all right so what is love so when we are little and we are you know we come into this world and we are highly reliant on um, the adults in our life and these are the people that love us now, as a parent, um, I have four children and I have a love in my heart for these four children. Now, what that experience might be for that child may not feel like love because they just don't have the cognitive abilities, they don't have a fully developed nervous system or a fully developed brain to actually comprehend some of the experiences or to process or to digest some of the experiences that they might have, okay? So let's rewind all the way back to when you were a child and the world was big and you were small. You had needs that needed to be met by a person. You could not meet those needs for yourself, right? And so anytime you felt like love was withdrawn, um, it was safety was withdrawn, right? So when someone yells at you or they say, don't do this and I'm not happy with you, it feels like my safety is being compromised right now. I am under threat right now. I could die. My survival is compromised at this time. That's what it feels like to be a little kid. Um, and that's what it feels like for that child who is experiencing an angry mother or an angry father. Now, the angry mother and father have a lot of love in their heart in that moment, but that is not the experience. So I want to separate these two things out.
from the get-go is that the experience of something is not necessarily the thing, okay? And sometimes we are experiencing what feels like love, but it actually could be very ego-driven and it could just be very serving. Oh, I'm, you know, he's so protective of me, but all he is doing is being possessive of you. So it can feel like love because he wants me so much and he needs me so much. And I just feel so important, feels like love, but it actually is not love, okay? So what it is and what it, the experience is, is not what, they are not the same thing. Now, when we are young, the experience of our parents can often be that I, you know, we can often experience our parents as I will love you when you behave. So I approve of you, I love you uh, when you behave. I will accept you when you do as I say. And when you don't do as I say, I sort of give you the cold shoulder, I am giving you the cold treatment, I withdraw myself from you, which feels very, very um, threatening to the child. Um, I will only show you positive regard when you meet my conditions. So this kind of genuine acceptance and curiosity and openness, I will give you that, but only if you do as I say. Now, that doesn't seem very far off from parenting, if we think about it, right? It makes me super upset when my kids are in, acting entitled or if my kids are, you know, disrespecting their property or when um, they're not hardworking or studying, I have my triggers, okay? So those are, you know, if they act unkind, it's like, no, you don't get to do that. Like, so my reaction to that might be very reprimanding and I could launch off into a full-on lecture and so in that moment that experience feels like my mother doesn't love me and she doesn't love this part of me and so guess what happens in that moment that part goes off into the shadows we throw it into the back and no one gets to know about it and no one gets to see it so I can be unkind and I can lie and I can cheat and I can do all sorts of things as long as my mother doesn't find out, as long as society doesn't find out. And this is the beginning of the shadow self, right? So there's a persona we show and then the shadow that we have. Now, most of us grow up like this. We have a, a very, very shamed part of ourselves that just was rejected throughout our lives and um, and then there is a part that people love and accept the sweet loving kind part of ourselves and so we show that to the world and when we get into a new relationship and when we get into a new friendship we are showing our best self to those people and they love that best self because it is the self that is socially acceptable it is the best self that it's just lovable and it's super super easy to love and then we decide that we're gonna be in a long-term relationship with this person whether it is a romantic partner or a friendship or a child or a parent or a sibling that you get into this kind of long-term relationship with that person now 
all other parts of you are gonna start to show up. They're gonna see you in all your ways. They're gonna see you when you're angry. They're gonna see you when you might even betray them at some point. They might ask you to do something and then you say, actually, I don't wanna do that because it, it doesn't feel very good to me to do that. Um, you might project things onto them and have certain expectations from them and they might have certain expectations of you. And so now the waters get a little bit muddier and that kind of honeymoon, everything is all good um, kind of scenario. The, the bubble pops and the reality shows up. And the reality is, guys, that every single human being on this planet, including you, has some things that are absolutely loved and um, you can share them with the world and then there are some things that are absolutely shamed and that are thrown deep into our shadows and then there are some things that we just don't like about ourselves that we are conscious of that we try to keep under control but every now and then they sort of show up and cause a lot of disruption in our relationship what most people do is that they get into a relationship with an adult who is a fully formed adult, just like you are a fully formed adult, I have an expectation that people will accept my good and not so good and then really not so good parts. But for some reason, I'm not gonna accept those parts of them and I'm gonna try to change that person because I don't really like it that you go out with that person because I don't really like that person. But if that, let's just say I'm gonna, for, for the sake of simplicity here, I'm gonna use a romantic relationship. So my husband, right? I can say, husband, don't go out with that person because they rub me the wrong way. I don't like it. But if my husband says, I don't want you hanging out with that person, I would be like, well, what, what, don't you trust me? Don't you, like, why are you controlling me? And why are you possessing me? And so all of a sudden I judge him by his actions but I want him to judge me by my intention. And this doesn't feel very good to me, and so I'm out. If it repeatedly happens where he doesn't meet my needs, I'm saying, well, I don't really like this, and I don't really like you, and you don't make me feel very good, and I'm out of here. And usually between the six, eight month mark, or when you first move in together uh, in the first year, is a whole lot of adjustments that are happening. And most people are like, what did I get myself into? You didn't get yourself into anything. You finally see the reality of things. And the reality of things is always going to be not what you had imagined it to be, which is called a projection. We project an image onto this person and that projection serves as a way where we fuse with that person and we become one with that person. But we cannot stay like this. We actually, for mature love, for a love that is long-term, you are going to have to become a separate individual from that person with separate needs and separate wants and separate likes and separate dreams. Um, and can you encourage that in each other? That is what love is. That I see you in your totality and I don't like the things that you do sometimes. These are the things I don't like, but I accept you as you are. And I love you as you are. These are the things I don't 
agree with, but I'm not going to change that about you because I accept you as you are. Now, so hard to do, guys. It's not easy to do. It is, um, you know, most of us have only known love as a controlling experience. Uh, whether it was our parents trying to control us, well, if you loved me, you would do this, that ain't love. Um, and then we think that is love when we grow up. Um, and the, the post that I put up yesterday is about acceptance. Now, I have had all sorts of relationships, friendships and, you know, parenthood and in being a daughter and uh, being a wife and being a friend. I've had all sorts of experiences in relationships, being, um, you know, being a colleague at, with people at the lighthouse. And my experience of love is when I felt um, loved was when I felt deeply accepted by the other person. Now, the other person does not have to agree with what I'm doing. They don't have to like what I'm doing. It could be inconsistent with their value system, but they don't try to change me or guilt me or shame me. That shame opposite of acceptance, okay? This is not love, for example. You know, daughter or husband or friend, like, I know you're doing this and it, it's not something I would do um, and I really don't think you should do it and I just think it's so bad that you're doing it. That is not acceptance. But I'm not gonna try to change you, right? That is not acceptance where you guilt them and shame them and then you say, but you do you. Mm, no. It is actually when you say, you know what, this is not something I would do, but this is obviously something that is important to you and you, and I trust you and I love you and I'm here with you and I'm gonna be with you. I might not join you in that activity that you're about to engage in, but I'm not gonna to try to change that about you because you are on your own path and you have to go through something that you have to go through. Now, having said that, because this is where a lot of this kind of violent reaction <laughs> came from people yesterday, which is that, you know, the most violent reactions came from those who were full of resentment. Well, I keep loving him and accepting him, but he doesn't accept me. This was like, message number one that I got yesterday. Like, how can you tell me to love someone and accept them and their behavior? Accepting someone is different from accepting their behavior. I love my children. I don't have to love every single thing they do. I love them. In my heart, I hold an unconditional positive regard. And when they do something wrong, my first thought is like a question mark on top of my head. Like, huh, well that's weird. Like, that's not like him to do that. Like, my, my first thought is usually confusion. That he's a, he's a good person. I hold that in my heart. He is a good person. He is a values-driven person. And he just did something that I don't like. 
So doer and doing is separated. The doer is not the deed. So I can express my concern about the deed without shaming or guilting or being luxury about uh, to the doer. I can say that, you know, okay, that happened. I don't like it that it happened. Um, and I hope that it doesn't happen again. And, and I, I wouldn't necessarily talk like this to children. Let me, if I were to talk to my partner, there are mistakes that he has made. There are mistakes that I have made. But you come at that person with an unconditional positive regard. This is a word uh, that was term, you know, uh, sort of popularized. It came before that by uh, a, a psychologist named, I think, Stanley or Staley or something. But um, Carl Rogers um, made it quite popular, which is this unconditional positive regard that I accept you in all your ways. I'm here. I ain't going anywhere. It is not conditional. It is not you do this or I'm out of here. And most of us have experienced love this way and most of us love this way. That I'm not going to give you my warmth or give you my love or give you my acceptance if you don't do as I say. Would you do that for them? Are there some things you are doing that they don't like? No, 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 but I'm perfect. <laughs> I am so values driven and I am sin free. So this is where we get super self-righteous and super moralistic and judgmental. And yeah, the full moon is tomorrow. So <laughs> I get a little bit worked up about this. Um, when people are super, um, you know, when they're super judgmental of other people without thinking, what am I doing in this relationship that might not be so good for him or that might not be so good for her. Um, and once you start thinking this way, uh, things seem a little bit more balanced. So having said this, I will say this, guys. Accepting someone does not mean you will stay in a relationship with that person. Loving someone does not mean you will spend the rest of your life with that person. It just means that you love them and that you accept them and to you your way and to me my way. And that's it. And that I respect you and what you do. And I have to respect me and what I need. And so I'm gonna do this and you do this, but I love you and I appreciate you and I appreciate your decisions because they're your decisions and they make sense for you. It's just not what I need in a relationship. So, in, and, and most of us don't do that because in our mind, we need a good guy and we need a bad guy. This happens so often in divorce. This happens so often when there is a goodbye. Like I've experienced it plenty where you are in a loving, generous, value-driven relationship and then it comes time for the person to leave the country or leave the job or leave the relationship and all of a sudden you have been vilified and it's like but you can leave with love you don't actually have to make the person look bad to make yourself feel like this is a good decision and that tension guys i'm telling you it is the hardest tension to hold because there is so much cognitive dissonance inside and so the brain will force you to come up with a simple answer. And the simple answer is, I'm leaving because this is bad. And that's it. 
or I'm good and you're bad. Super simple. Yeah, like four-year-old simple guys. I think we can expect ourselves to hold ourselves to a higher bar where I'm leaving and I leave with love and you are good and I am good. Because most people will think that if they're, if you're good, then I must be bad because why would I leave something that is good? That is what most people can't reconcile with. Most people have to come up with this good, bad scenario because someone's gotta be bad around here because you don't leave good things and you don't leave good people. How do you define leave? Can you just go on a separate path from another person for now and hold that with love and accept you in all your ways? And acceptance is not the same thing as tolerance, by the way. Like, I'm putting up with you right now. Mm -mm. That feels very different. It feels very different inside that someone is tolerating me. No. I'm not tolerating you. You know, I have four children and each one of them, oh my Lord, they're like a different, <laughs> and I, I, since I've been riding horses, it's like each one has a different spirit. Like it ain't the same. And they all came from me, but I for sure know that they are not of me. They came from somewhere and they came through me and now they're here and I have to grow their spirits in some way. Now, so much would I want them to have so many of the things that I have cultivated in me over the years. I want them to speak the truth and I want them to fight for the truth and I want them to be, you know, socially responsible and I want them to be able to present and I want them to have this skill. Okay, what do you want, right? And so we put these expectations on our children that you will do as I say, rather than us being curious about our kids and saying, who is this? That's the true definition of a parent. Like you're like a spirit whisperer. You, you go with the person and say, what is your spirit about? And how can I love your spirit and celebrate you rather than make you a version of me? That's not easy, guys. I have been in therapy for quite some time now trying to figure out that how do you just celebrate and, 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 and I think one of the components of this kind of love is that it will have some grief. Because if I accept my husband, and if I accept my mother, and if I accept my daughter for who they are, that means there are some things that I wanted that I will not have. And I can grieve that. You know, I can grieve. Maybe there are some people who say, well, I wanted this fairy tale romance where, you know, my husband will do this for me and that for me. And okay, well, maybe he's not that. Maybe he was that for a little while, but then he's not that. And then what? Do I just leave him and then go find someone else who will do that? Or will I see all the good in him and say, well, this is something that I won't have because it's just not who he is. And I can express that this is my love language, but he can either learn to speak that language and I can just accept that. And both of those th things ha have to happen simultaneously. That if he loves me, he will try to speak my language. And I, if I love him, I will accept him as he is. And this kind of thing happens um, best 
when both people are aligned and committed to that relationship. You know, when we take vows in a marriage, uh, when we commit to each other in a marriage, for better or for worse, and sickness and in health, and good and in bad, in all religions we have our version of a vow that I'm making to you. I'm making a commitment to you. you. I'm not making a commitment to this thing that you are, and soon enough I will change you to fit my needs. I'm not doing that. I make a commitment to you. And things are gonna be really bad sometimes. I'm gonna stay here and I'm, I'm not leaving. And I'm gonna act real bad sometimes and you're gonna stay here and I ain't leaving. And when both people can say in a mature way that I'm with you and I commit to you, and when both people are committed to the truth rather than their self-serving egos, and when both people are on their own inner journey and figuring out where their triggers are and where their wounds are, obviously this process is a whole lot easier. When one says, you do as I say, and then you keep giving because you love and you love, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, guys. And this is what I spoke about last week. Last week? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like I said, having technical issues here. This is what I spoke about when I spoke about self-love. There is no love, no love, no parent love, no child love, no partner love, unless there is self-love. If you don't know where your boundaries are, if you don't know what you need, if you don't know what your wounds are, if you don't know what you need to heal, if you don't have a relationship with yourself that is fierce and compassionate and protective, do not expect the other person to do that for you. You have to protect you. And so there are many people that I have encountered that, you know, before I got married, that I appreciate this person in this brief encounter that I've had with you, but this is not for me because these are the things that I need. These are my limits. These are my boundaries. I would like to work. I would like to have kids. I would, I would, these are, this is what I need. But does that make the other person a bad person? No. And this is where I'm trying to get at, is that I have my own needs and limits, and they have to match the people's needs and limits. But if they can't match that when I'm in a committed relationship, then it doesn't mean that I leave. Then I have to accept the good with the not feeling so good. So let me give you an example to sort of bring this to life. Um, there's so many examples. I'm gonna use a, um, I'm gonna get, use an example of something that happened with me. Um, it was many years ago. Um, there was something that I did, you know, sort of, um, there was something that I did and, and sort of acted out and just felt very ashamed that I was talking loudly, screaming, and, and I felt very ashamed in that moment. And the way my husband dealt with that in that moment, and this was many, many years ago, um, the way he dealt with me in that moment when I felt so full of shame 
And I was like, listen, I just, I want you to give me some space. I need some space to just sort, sort myself out. And that's what I usually used to do. That when I lose it, when I lose my lid, um, I withdraw, I sort myself out, I come out, I take ownership, I apologize, and then I get on with it. But in that moment, and, and this was way in the beginning of our relationship, when I lost my lid and I withdrew from him, he just said, okay, well, no problem. Like, you know, um, I'm just gonna be right here. And it was like, no, you will go. Because, and he could sense that I was full of shame. And he just sort of got on with his day as if I hadn't done anything. And it was like, you know, he sat with me, he talked about things that were not relevant to this. It wasn't like, well, you know, Saleha, you lose your temper and sometimes you say things that are not so nice. It was almost as if he didn't see what I did. And this kind of positive regard, I had not experienced from anyone but my therapist at that point. Like, did you not see what I just did? And it was like, yeah, I saw it okay and now you're not doing it anymore and we just sort of got on with it and i was like no but you're supposed to yell at me you're supposed to yell back at me you're supposed to lecture me you're supposed to tell me off you're supposed to remind me to remember my values like you're supposed to do something in this moment to shame me a bit more because that's what we do when we give lectures we shame people a bit more he didn't do any of it he was like well you kind of know what you did wrong and you said it and so we can just get on with it and it was like it it blew me away to the point where i was almost instigating a fight with him like get out i don't want you here like almost pushing him to the point where he might react and act out and then i can say okay now we're good because that's what love felt like it actually felt violent to me it did not feel right to me. This kind of unconditional positive regard I had never experienced in my life before. Because usually, even when we say I love you unconditionally, we launch into a lecture which is this mile long and we remind them of all the things they did wrong versus their values. And that's a very shaming experience. And so in that moment, I felt acceptance that I saw it and I accept it and we move on. Yeah, that was a, an earth shattering moment for me. And I actually then processed it for like the next four months in thinking why did that rock my world in the way it did. But the healing that happened as a result of that one moment, it was the deepest, on the deepest level that I love you in all your ways, not just when you're good, not just when you speak sweetly and when you do all the nice things for me, in all your ways. And this is one of those things that doesn't feel so good to be on the receiving end of that, but okay, it happened, moving on. But I see the entirety of your being, and this is just one component of that. Now, if I was launching in to everyone in my life on a daily basis okay not so good so you have to see the whole pie chart and say how much of it is meeting my needs how much of it how much of it is 
things that I appreciate and like about this person? And then what are the parts I don't necessarily agree with or don't necessarily feel good to me? And that pie chart is the entirety of the being, the good and the not so good. So now when I think about my kids, right? Like there are so many things that I would want them to do, but it's like, but I'm not doing it. And it's like, oh, like, please just do it if you love me. I think I might have even said that to my daughter. Like, don't do it because you see value in it. Just do it because you love me. Um, and, and it's like, yeah, no, it ain't happening. Um, and and to, to appreciate her and to accept her as she is and to make her more of who she is while creating those boundaries where I have to be the fully, you know, fully formed frontal lobe because kids don't have a fully formed frontal lobe. So if they come to me and say, mom, can I get on social media? Yeah, no, you can't. Oh, but why don't you let me get on social media? Because he, here are the 784 reasons that I can think at the top of my head. I can find more if you'd like. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, if you love me, you'll give me what I want is not love. Love is not demanding in that way. Love doesn't have conditions in that way. So they have to love me as I am and I have to love them. And we have to trust that we have um, each other in mind and in heart. And so even when they do something that feels wrong to me, I will trust that they held me in mind when they did that. And when I do something that feels wrong to them, they will trust that I'm doing it because I'm doing it for them. And I usually try to explain that. So can they choose their own career? Can they choose their own path? Absolutely. Will I be their guiding light until they get on that path that feels comfortable to them? Sure. I will be right here side by side next to you. But will I force you to be what I want you to be? No, I cannot. I cannot do that. So it is this kind of tension you have to hold. And trust me, guys, this is not easy. This is not easy. To love is not easy. You have to sacrifice your happiness in moments for the other person because they need you right now. And that's what they need right now. Self-sacrifice is different from self-betrayal. I have sacrificed myself many times for the sake of love. I have said, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna step out of my needs in this moment and give you what you need many times. As I have experienced that selfless kind of love also where someone has held the space for me even though no one is without troubles in these days right everyone is holding a heavy load but i have felt that i have had friends who have come and said i hold the space for you so they put themselves aside in that moment and they held space for me i wasn't paying them i wasn't feeding them but they just said i know you're going through something right now and come and talk to me and then i just like launched in and talked about everything that I needed to talk about. So they held love. 
uh, or held space for me. And that felt like love. Was that sacrifice on their part? Yes, they sacrificed their needs in that moment for me. Is that self-betrayal? No, that is not self-betrayal. So all of these like cute Instagram posts that, oh, you know, don't betray yourself and everybody thinks that, you know, if I don't love myself and feel good in every moment of the day that I'm betraying myself, no. Sometimes you put the other person first because that is what is needed in that moment. And that is what love is. And that is what generosity is, right? To generously be with another person and give them, even though you might be hungry, but you say, you know what? They look like they need more from me right now. So I'm gonna give them that and you give. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, what if they keep taking? Oh, I can't tell you guys. I really, really don't like such questions, but because they tell me that you are not protecting yourself. You are absolving yourself of any responsibility when you ask a question like that, because you are saying you love me rather than I love me. You are saying you think about me rather than what do I need right now? If you are not drawing those boundaries and you're expecting other people to just do good by you all the time, and they don't even know that they're wronging you in that moment, then you are absolving yourself of any personal ownership, authority, responsibility. And that's not right. That is not a grown-up thing to do in a relationship. And a grown-up thing to do in a relationship is that, okay, I'm gonna tend to myself, then I'm gonna tend to my relationship, I'm gonna ask my relationship for what I need. Okay, so let me give you an example of this. Um, and guys, I've seen some things on here that it's just like not right language. Like, please, can we just be like respectful and not, I mean, trust me, I, I can swear up a storm also, but can we just not do it here? Like we're in a public forum here, so please respect each other and not use language or say things that are not, um, you get, get where I'm going with this. <laughs> like it's, this, swear all you want just don't do it here okay yeah you guys can write down and direct message me all the people that are being disrespectful I would be glad to block them once I'm done with this can't block them while I'm here okay so let's see what is what does a loving experience have look like in a relationship so I can call my friend and say, hey, listen, do you have space to hear something out right now? And she can say, uh, I don't have space right now, but how about we meet on Friday? Now, in that moment, I could feel like, like I really needed to talk to somebody right now. Does she love me? Yes. Do I love her? Yes. Did that feel good? No. In that moment. Will it feel good on Friday? Sure. So. This is also love. If I call someone and say, I really need to talk to someone right now, do you have space? And they say, okay, I have like 10 minutes before my next call. Tell me what you, tell me what you need. And I, this is what I need and this is what happened and I'm really upset about this and I'm just venting right now and I don't need you to problem solve, but this is what I need. And I basically said, this is what's happening. I just needed to vent. I don't want you to problem solve. You see how I asked for what I need. 
in those 10 minutes. I called, I asked for what I needed. I didn't expect him to read my mind. And that's me taking personal ownership. And then I hang up the phone and I still feel like crap. And so I say, okay, so I'm now gonna ground myself and breathe. Or you know what, I'm just gonna go for a walk outside and clear my head. Or, or, or. But I am taking responsibility for soothing myself and caring for myself. And in that, I am loving myself and I am loving the person that I'm in a relationship with. Because if you are expecting your relationships to always, keyword being always, be the ones to save you, you are not, this is not love. You are not loving them. One of the greatest things we can do for our relationships when we love another person is to take care of ourselves and take ownership for our own well-being. One of the greatest ways I love my children and I love my friends and I love my husband and I love my parents is by saying, I need this time to just love myself so I don't come and just spill over all over you and then feel resentful when you can't hold all of me and give me everything I need. That is not love, guys. We have such a skewed idea of what love is because of all the songs we hear, because of all the movies we see. We just think the other person should be there for us and only us and no other person should exist in their sphere. And whenever I need you, you will be there. And then that sound good. I'll be there whenever you need me. It sounds so poetic. It's not right. <laughs> it's not right. They will not be there <laughs> when you need them every single time in an adult relationship even in a child and mother relationship. Am I there with my kids right now when they're in school and she might be feeling super anxious because she has to take a test? Am I there? No, I'm not. Even if she's messaging me on her iMessage and saying, I need you to calm me down, I'm not there right now because I'm with you guys right now. At some point later on in the day, I can check in with her and say, hey, how is that? How are you doing? but I'm not gonna be there every single time you need me. I need you to internalize my love and also love yourself. So we can be in this loving relationship for each other. I don't know if any of this made sense <laughs> that I said today. What I'm trying to get at here, guys, if I were to just say a one-on-one on what I just said, I'm going to say, you can love another person. You can love, period. You can be love. You can do love, you can be love. And when you are love, it's all love. And when you are wounded, everything feels toxic. I will say that also. Everything feels resentful. Everything feels like people are taking advantage of you. If you are constantly feeling like that, now it's time to take the reins because literally you've handed the reins off to your life to another person and say you know don't abuse me and go ahead i would love you but just don't abuse me no you have to communicate that so 
you, this is you taking the reins back and saying, I'm going to understand what I need. I'm going to learn how to communicate that kindly. This person might not be able to give me what I need. And that means that I don't have to be in a relationship with this person. And I love you. And I send you. Love is I accept you as you are. You know, in, in one of the surahs in the Quran, it talks about, you know, to you, your way, to me, my way. I don't have to agree with you. You don't have to agree with me. And we respect each other. And, and what is love in that? In the end is acceptance and respect, right? And so that's, but I, I think, yeah. So are you doing that for yourself before you ask that of another person? I think that's probably a good place to start. Love is not controlling, guys. And love is not abusive. And love doesn't always feel good. Loving someone is not always like a pleasant experience for you. Overarching, it's a pleasant experience because you're open-hearted and you're saying, I see you. It's not what I would do, but I, and I accept you. And there's still love in my heart. The frequency is still love rather than this closed judgmental thing that I do, right? Um, so the experience of that might feel like, oh, this person is doing something that I don't like, but that doesn't mean I close my heart to them and I judge them as being a bad person. Quite nuanced, actually. It's quite nuanced in the way it feels. Um, the, you know, some people have said that they have felt this kind of love from like pets that, you know, or for a pet, like the pet will do things and it will, you know, break things, but you don't stop loving it. Your heart doesn't close off and you don't start judging that pet. Like, God, you're such a bad pet. You just say, oh God, like I shouldn't have left that vase there or, you know, I really need to do some training and some discipline. You take ownership of where you are falling short and you still have love in your heart and you still play with them the next day and the next moment and and. And so that's one place where you might experience that, where there is no judgment. That's unconditional positive regard. That's what unconditional positive regard is. I have felt it for my kids, even though there are times where I have not felt very good feelings because of my own fears as to how they might turn out. I felt that, oh God, what if they, you know, what if they are entitled or what if they are unkind because I saw them doing an unkind thing. Um, that fear closed my heart for a second. And then I said, but I know my kids and I know my love and I know their heart. And then my heart opened up again and I send them love and I, I come to them with love. And even when I am disciplining them and they've done something that I don't agree with, I will say that I see you. I see the good in you. And this is something that you did that I know that you also don't feel very good about. And how can we have you act in ways that are more consistent with what makes you feel good? 
right? So I'm not problem solving with them rather than guilting them or shaming them or lecturing them. And that is my role as a parent. Now, will I do that when they're 30? Probably not. But this is the point of childhood, is the teaching part of it. Will I do that for my husband? Probably not. If he does something, I can just say, well, I didn't feel very good when he did that. You know, to me, I can just say that, but are you a bad person? Should you change this? No, I do, I can share my experience of that. So, um, yeah, so love is accepting the person as they are. It does not mean you accept what they do. It does not mean you have to remain in that relationship. It does not mean that you don't have your boundaries and your needs. If you are feeling resentful or um, you feel like people are taking you for granted, then I would ask you to see where you need to love yourself. And if you don't know what that means, you can watch my Instagram video on, um, on mom's world because I talked about it on there and I'll tag it on here as well, okay? Self-love, guys, is the most important thing. And I have seen that and experienced that, that everything is better, every relationship is better, every relationship is lighter when I take ownership for my happiness. Not selfishness where it's excessive um, desire and lack of consideration or excessive uh, consideration for self and no consideration for another person. That's selfish. Self-love is I'm important too. And I'm gonna look at my needs too. And I'm gonna consider myself too. And I'm gonna, you know, soothe myself too. This is not just about me giving, giving, giving as if I'm like this endless, you know, <laughs> well of love without considering myself too. So if you're not in that space, then I would begin there. Don't even try to figure out what love is until you've done some of that work inside of you. Um, but I will say that we learn to internalize what that feels like when we experience that kind of love from another person. So while I'm a big fan of self-love, we do need loving relationships in our lives. We are not these kind of solo islands who can just keep loving ourselves and feel like we are good. It doesn't work like that. We need other people. We are tribal people. We are social beings. We are, you know, we exist in groups, small tribes. That's how we have existed on this planet for the time that we have. So you should love yourself, but we also need to find those people in our lives that will love us and we will love them. And it will be, I will consider you and you will consider me and I will consider me and you will consider me and it will be like that. Like we need that kind of people in our lives as well. Um, yeah. So I can ask, ask, I can answer some questions. Um, seriously, I'm not gonna answer that one. Um, can you struggle with self-love and love people at the same time? We all struggle with love. Like, I, I don't think that, 
the struggle ever ends. You know, we are full of judgments and from the time that we make it onto this earth and everything that we see, everything tells us that we are not good as we are and we are not right as we are. Popular culture, family messaging, cultural messaging, religious messaging, all sorts of messaging that we get, it says that we are not good as we are. So loving yourself is really a struggle and remind, reparenting that and being there for yourself is a struggle. It might, you might be in that struggle for decades, it's okay. But the intention has to be there that I'm with you, I protect you, I will care for you, I will listen to you, I see you, I value you, that needs to be there. And then I can struggle with that. Um, but as long as I'm part of the formula when I'm loving people, this is not just about I love you, I love you, I love you, and I don't exist in this relationship. It, that doesn't work. It cannot work. It cannot work. It is not sustainable, I promise you. And at some point or another, you're gonna say, well, what's in it for me? What am I gonna get out of this? And that point, you're probably gonna break. And, and we just don't wanna do that. So if you want a long-term relationship, you've gotta exist in it. Your needs have to belong in it. Your, your dreams and aspirations have to be in it. It cannot be that let me just sacrifice myself for the first 25 years of your life and then hopefully there will be a return on that investment. Uh-uh. Too much resentment will have built by this time. I've seen it, guys. I've seen it in my work where, you know, I sacrificed my whole life for you and the kids are like, well, I never asked you to sacrifice anything for me. You did that. And so if you do that, at some point you're going to be really disappointed because they don't owe you anything. They didn't ask for this. They didn't say, mom, I'd like you to quit your job and stay home and just like cook me organic meals every day. Like they didn't ask for that. You did that, you chose that. So they don't have to give you a return on that investment because they didn't sign their name on that dotted line when you made that contract with them. So unless you include yourself in that relationship, at some point you might feel disappointed because they have their own life and they have their own dreams and they should be able to follow them, just like you should be able to follow them. This kind of idea that I will sacrifice um, is a very cultural idea, and it's a very patriarchal idea for women especially, but also for men, that let me protect you and feed you and love you and care for you, and then at some point, someone will, it will pay back, but like it never pays back, and that's why men will have their break and they'll sort of, you know, start doing things that seem inconsistent with who they are is because, well, I have to take care of me now too. And so you're going to end up doing things that are a little bit loopy if you keep sacrificing yourself and don't feed, you know, feed yourself throughout the relationship. So that's usually how it plays out in the form of a midlife crisis. Um, let's see. I have two more minutes, I'm gonna go. Yes, this live is always saved. Um, yes. Um, what to do if you have a feeling that people don't love you genuinely and you struggle to find true loving friends? Oh, I didn't mention this one. This is a good question. I'm gonna go two minutes for this one, guys. You will never experience love unless there is some resonance there so I can be loving you 
and it's just gonna fly like Maverick requesting a flyby, fly right out of the radar if there is no resonance inside. Resonance can happen only when something is vibrating at the same frequency as something is vibrating inside of me. So things resonate because there's something in me that resonates with something outside of me. Now, if I have no capacity to love myself, it is going to be very hard for me to receive love. You know, I've mentioned to you guys that it's been like really overwhelming on and off <laughs> for the last three years, but I'm just saying like more recently, it's been very overwhelming. When I go into my fight or flight mode, I ain't feeling the love that anyone has for me. My aperture narrows, I only see threat in the environment, emails get sent to me, messages get sent to me, and I feel like I'm being attacked. Are they attacking me? No, they're not attacking me. They're like just asking a question. But because I am in fight or flight, there's no way for me to receive anything other than fight or flight. It just bounces right out. So that's one aspect of being able to receive love. And we need to heal in order for us to receive love. We need to know our wounds. We need to know some of, well, not all our wounds, but our major wounds and our triggers because we need to take ownership for that. And we need to heal that so we can actually receive. When we are open, then everything feels like love. <laughs> the trees feel like love, the sun feels like love, everything feels like love. So that's one aspect of not feeling like people love you genuinely. The second aspect is that you need to figure out what love feels like for you. Like I said, I've defined it. My experience of it is that the acceptance of me as I am. And then when beautiful things happen when you accept people as they are. Once you accept them as they are and the healing that happens in that moment, all of a sudden, they, they're not acting out anymore, they're not angry anymore, they're not shouting anymore because they felt loved when they least deserved it. So that is a very healing thing that happens. So you have to decide what love feels like to you and then see if that's an accurate assessment of that. Well, I always want to feel loved and wanted and accepted, but then I don't want to do that for someone else. So it is a give and take there, guys. If you're wanting something, you're gonna to have to give something too. If you want to be forgiven, then you've got to give forgiveness too. If you want to be accepted, then you must forgive, uh, accept them as they are too. So that can also get in the way of genuine experience of love is that you don't know what it is and you don't know what that feels like. But healing probably is a big component of this. And then lastly, like if you feel like people are using you, um, then you probably just have to trust that but I wouldn't trust myself if I didn't know myself so don't trust yourself unless you've really thought about the deeper layers of you I, I am not a big fan of trusting based off of like emotions or experience because my experiences have been a result of my personal wounds rather than that person's intention so you really have to get inside and say, what was that really about? Because the experience felt like you were um, upset with me. Like she didn't, you know, let's just say that a person is walking across the street 
and I'm really in a grumpy mood and they don't look at me and they don't say hi to me even though I felt like they looked at me and they didn't say hi to me if I'm in my fight or flight mode the parts of my brain that see threat are bigger so I see a threat in the environment that means my amygdala is full-on active at that point when my amygdala is activated I see threat in the environment that doesn't exist so don't trust yourself until you have soothed yourself until you have understood yourself until you have been curious about yourself until you have healed parts of yourself and then come to a place of trust trusting your experience because that person was in their thought and I'm experiencing as a threat so I really want you to to move with caution in that space that no no I know my intuition told me that they were not looking at me uh -uh, that was not your intuition until you know what your intuition feels like viscerally you it, you will confuse it with emotions you will confuse it with thoughts you will confuse it with the chatter in your brain so this is all about going into that deep self and speaking of deep self, we are finally doing that workshop that I told you guys about. So JV and I are gonna be doing that. Oh, it's on my calendar. And I think it's on March 6th. So it's a closed workshop. Some of you guys have already expressed interest in, you know, so it's like a three hour workshop where we start to really get connected to those deeper aspects of ourselves. I've told you guys by my experience of my work with JV who has really, really helped me. I mean, he's given me the biggest gift that anybody has ever given me. Um, I've worked with many therapists. I've worked with many healers. I've worked with many people, but my, he gave me me in that sense that I, 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 I finally realized that the images that come from inside of me are not just like my imagination or the, the voices that I hear are not just like me talking, talking to myself. It actually is something different. And so that intuition, um, cultivating that relationship with that intuition is what my work with JV has been like. And so we're gonna be doing a workshop in March and it's in person, so you have to be in Dubai and it's on a Sunday, so it's on a weekend from 10 to one. Um, I don't work on weekends, but I will be there. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be contributing very much to that workshop, but I will be there. Something I'm co-facilitating with him, where him, um, where JV will be the one facilitating. If you are interested, I know you guys have sent me um, an email. For some of you who have already, because I talked about this like a few months ago, and you guys told me that you wanted to do that, please send me a message. Um, and I'm gonna put this on my story as well. Please send me a DM and I'm gonna add you to the email. We might end up having to do two workshops because we're only gonna be taking no more than 10 people in this workshop. Um, and then, uh, like I said, you must be in the UAE at that time. So it is a Sunday, you can come in if you want. Um, and it will be a three hour workshop. Now what I'm trying to do with this thing is do a monthly group, but we will not decide that until we have met for the first time because it is a visit with yourself again and again until you trust yourself until you love yourself because i am with you i'm seeing you i value you i feel you that's what self-love and self-trust is um 
I'm committed to you. That's what my post was about today. Um, and so don't trust yourself until you know yourself. Don't trust anything until you really have felt it and known it. But most of our experiences can be so jaded by our wound that we actually think that it's a real experience when it actually is someone coming and touching on a wound. And that's not the truth. That is a wound that needs to be healed. Well, that is the truth, I guess. It is a true wound, but it's not the essence of you. It is just a wound that is being triggered that needs to be healed so you can get to that essence of who you are, if that makes sense. I'm gonna go now, I've talked about a lot of stuff now, but you guys can direct message me. I'm also gonna post it on the stories. Um, yeah, you won't register because it's not up there yet, but you just need to direct message me. I will put you on an email list. And then when that email, when we sort of go with go live with that poster, we might not even put, go live with it. We might just send it internally to the people that have emailed me um, and close the group and it never actually gets publicized. So it uh, just depends on how many people I get signed up. All right, bye guys.